You know what time it is No matter where you've been So let's do it again Listen up and let the sun shine And we've got soul training Time to practice what you preach You know, most of the time people say that the sequel is not as good, but that's not the case here with Soul Training, as we have part two with Dr. Neil Ritchie, and we're looking forward to hearing what he has to say about, um, basically, I think suffering and dealing with challenges, maybe within a marital relationship, from both physically and, and spiritually, in our last episode, I learned that Dr. Ritchie is from uh, or lives in Georgia. Is that right? <laughs> no, no, he's in Virginia. Virginia. Now. I thought you he were, has thought, lived at one point in Georgia, okay, but it's well, not this point. That's what I, are you a Georgia Bulldog fan? No, not at all. I was going to ask you what your favorite Ugga was. <laughs> I couldn't that's tell an ugly you. question. <laughs> I, I don't know what Ugga they're on, but I, you know, I watch college. I'm a big college football fan, and I watch and. They're always showing like UGA 10, UGA 12, and all those things. So if I, thought, I, were, if I recall right, Dr. Ritchie is a man of, of better, uh, more sophisticated and refined fan, Kentucky taste. fan? No, 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 no. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that he is a University of Alabama football fan. Really? Wow. Is no, that right? You would, be, you would be mistaken. I'm mistaken. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so what is your team? Uh, is that a requisite of being able to come on the program? I'm probably going to get booted off here. Right I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a UT football fan. Oh, well, maybe not. I'm a Tennessee fan as well. There you go. I met full, Coach Former. I can, we can, that's, we, me and you will do our own episode. I can tell you all you about go. Coach Former. Well, that's why he, he, We're friends. he needed to learn how to deal with suffering so much. Actually, we are. <laughs> actually, we are friends. Me and John Chavis, we are friends. I mean, but that's another episode, but, uh, well, that's awesome. I like UT football. My wife says when I put on my orange pants and my orange jacket and my orange hat, I look like the Great Pumpkin. That's what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> but, and on a serious note, Daniel, we really like this. This our little little hometown or my little hometown here in Glasgow. I'm I, these guys are Im, implants, and I'm thankful. But uh, is that right? Implants? Is that the right word? No. Transplant. 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 Sorry. Sure. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even go to biology either. But our horticulture. <laughs> but transplants, yeah. But in our little community, uh, we actually have had three people from our little community play football at Alabama. We've got one right there right now. Uh, so, anyway, that's another episode. I just thought Daniel would like that. I do. I do. All right. Well, Daniel, you, uh, I've enjoyed getting to listen and be a part of this. So I'll let you kind of pick, kick off our big idea. Well, we did a, we did a pretty extensive intro in the last one where Doc kind of went through his education and that sort of thing. Let's hop right into it. Okay. So this one, we're responding to a, a listener email. We love hearing questions from our listeners and, and try hard to, uh, to address them uh, wherever possible. But um, so this dear listener has, has written in and spoken about his, his wife said that she has a, a chronic illness. Uh, she has required extra attention at times. Often I feel like I would have to take a day off, and then by the middle of the day she would be fine. I would be made to feel like it, 
uh, shouldn't even be a question about uh, what came first, work or family. I would feel like they're tied together because I need to provide for the family. Uh, thankfully, she's now on medications that really help. Now uh, situations arise where the shoe is on the other foot. If you will, uh, and I ask for the same courtesy as I once extended to her, she says that all that's in the past and we need to move forward. We're doing what's best for the family. And she is able to hold down a job, and now if I ask her to help, she gets frustrated, as I used to, and goes to work anyway, as I was made to feel uh, bad about. When I mention anything, I'm the bad guy for bringing up the past. I'm just wondering if anyone else is going through anything similar, and can you discuss how to be a better spouse when a loved one has a chronic disease? I think that maybe is the the key question there, how to be a better spouse when a loved one has a chronic disease. Um, and then also, when that spouse is in a, quote, good phase, how not to draw from the uh, experience of the bad phases when making decisions and having discussions. So, Dr. Ritchie, why don't you just go ahead and and react, share with your reaction to that question. So there's a awful lot going on there, right? Right. Um, and I think, I think where I would start is uh, kudos to the husband for, uh, for being there for his wife during a really difficult time in her life. Uh, don't know exactly what was going on from a, uh, a mental health uh, related issue, whether it was, you know, anxiety, depression, or, uh, could have been something completely different from that. Uh, so whatever it was, uh, kudos to the husband for really digging in and, and, uh, being there for her, even to the point of taking some time off of his, his job. Um, it sounds to me like, uh, there was some, there's some burnout that's taken place. Uh, we call it, uh, compassion fatigue. So people that are in the, uh, the caring profession, we'll say, whether it's a, uh, a medical doctor or a nurse or a, uh, professional counselor, uh, psychologist, whatever, you know, these folks will sometimes suffer from compassion fatigue because they are spending so much time caring for other people that they fail to care for themselves. And so uh, what I might suggest is that this husband uh, take, some, take some time to care for himself, self-care. So what does that look like for him? If, if I had him here, I, I, I would ask, you know, what, what is it that you can do or that you like to do for yourself that just allows you to relax that maybe you haven't done recently. Uh, maybe it's going fishing. Maybe it's uh, just going for a walk. You know, maybe it's going for, for a hike, um, whatever it is. Let's see if we can spend a little time each week engaging in that particular activity, because what it does is, it allows him to, to sort of regroup and come back to that stressful environment uh, and uh, be able to, to re-engage. Because what, it, what has happened, it sounds like, in this compassion fatigue, he has now become 
you know, maybe it's anxious or depressed or, or something, maybe not at a clinical level, but, but he's experiencing some of these, uh, uh, these mental health challenges. We'll just call it that. Uh, so that might be a place that I would start for him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're, you're kind of getting at the idea that there has to be some way for the spouse of someone struggling with mental illness to care for their spouse while also protecting their own mental health. Right. You can't, you can't, you know, pour from an empty cup. Right. And when we're caring for someone else, then we are, uh, you know, 24 seven, then sometimes it's difficult to care for ourselves. So that's, that's a good place that I would start with him where I would, where I would go from there is I would start to, to, uh, you know, I would start to change the way I looked at my spouse from, from that standpoint of, you know, it sounds like he's becoming frustrated because she's ready to move forward and he's now needing some help himself. And so the challenge is, is he going to be negative toward her? Is he going to be resentful toward her? Or is he going to be uh, positive and excited about where, where she is? And so there may be some intentionality that needs to take place on his part. So uh, perhaps for him to start looking more positively toward his wife and being able to jump on board with her desire to move forward, maybe he needs to start um, in a very intentional way, identifying five positives about her, about this new change that she's experiencing, this, this growth that she has gone through this, uh, you know, this balance that she's achieved because of the medication that she's on the, the getting back to work and the positivity of that and so forth. And so maybe he needs to specifically come up with five positive things that he can think about with regard to her. Maybe that would be a good place to start. Okay. So speaking about relationship advice, when mental health uh, impacts a a relationship, um, how do you say there's somebody struggling with uh, an issue that that causes them sometimes to act out in in certain ways that uh, would be difficult in a relationship. How do you balance holding them accountable for uh, their actions, but yet being understanding of the underlying issues that are, are causing them to act in that way? I wonder if a better way of asking it is how do we hold ourself actions toward them? Because at the end of the day, we can't really control them, but we can only control ourselves and our, and our response. Right. Um, there's a, there's a couple that's, uh, the Gottmans, uh, Dr. John and Dr. Julie Gottman, uh, they're not members of the church, uh, but they have done extensive and excellent work in the relationship arena. And uh, Dr. John Gottman uh, actually developed what he called a love lab. This has been years ago. Uh, 
And he would invite couples to come to this love lab. And let me define that. It's a, it's an apartment and it has uh, all of the provisions of a home, uh, bed, couch, television, you know, kitchenette, et cetera. And he would invite a couple that was having marital issues to come to the apartment and spend the weekend there. And he would uh, put uh, electrodes on them to monitor their heart rate and their pulse. And he would watch, he and his team would watch through a, uh, through glass, uh, one-way glass and would tell them, you know, come in, just make yourself at home, live life over the weekend. You know, if you got favorite movies, bring your movies, favorite food, bring your favorite food, whatever. And he, he watched them, uh, from morning till evening, uh, you know, didn't follow them in the bedroom, didn't follow them to the bathroom, nothing, none of that kind of stuff. Uh, but just watched them through the day. And sure enough, at times they would have arguments. Sometimes they would be very strong arguments, fights and, and so forth. And, and uh, he would monitor what their heart rate was like and their pulse when those arguments and, and so forth would happen. And so through all of that research that he conducted, he was able to determine at a 90% success rate after spending five minutes with a couple, uh, a couple, whether or not that couple would divorce. And so I, I tell folks that Dr. Gottman is not God. Uh, he does not know the future, but he can predict at a high percentage uh, whether or not a couple will divorce based on some specific variables. And I would say he's somebody that we might want to pay attention to. So I, I say all that to say, what we want to do is we want to monitor ourselves and our response to these situations. Uh, so Dr. Gottman would say, be careful with a harsh startup. So she's ready to move on. She's now experiencing greater life satisfaction and, and, and uh, balance in her neuroanatomy because of the medication that she's on. And so she wants to move forward, but now you're struggling maybe due to compassion fatigue. And so uh, she's not hearing you. And so maybe, maybe you, you get uh, fussy. So harsh startup, maybe you start using angry words. Another thing that he came up with is something called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, that's something that Dr. Gottman is really known for. It's of course, it's a, a total uh, misuse of uh, uh, content in the book of revelation, but uh, sure. Which that's not the new, right? <laughs> yeah. But what's, what he means by the four horsemen of the uh, apocalypse are, are criticism contempt, uh, defensiveness and stonewalling. And so those things just kind of build on top of one another. So someone who's hypercritical. So he, maybe this husband becomes, or is tempted to become hypercritical of his wife. Well, you, you know, I did all of this for you. Now you, you're not doing, uh, this for me to help me. And so now he puts her in contempt, which gets at her character. Well, you're a, you're a bad, wicked wife because you're not taking care of me in my time of need. 
And then what is she going to do? Well, she's going to be defensive. And the way defensiveness works, she defends and he defends and she, and then nobody wins. And then there's the stonewalling piece where you just kind of ignore one another, right? Uh, and then there's flooding where it's just uh, all of these bad emotions are, are uh, just, well, flooding your, your mind. Uh, poor body language. Uh, and then failed repair attempts where uh, you just can't seem to overcome the maybe the harsh rhetoric, uh, bad memories. Everything that you can think about in the marriage is bad, even though that it's not. That's just all you can focus on. And so Dr. Gottman would say that when you have these items, then, you know, be careful because you're looking at the potentiality of divorce. So let's flip it around, though, and think about the positive side. What is what is needed? I think they need to they need to they need to become friends again. You know find out their common ground. How can they redevelop a, a, what Gottman would call a love map, enhance that love map or develop that friendship that they, they once have focus on that. Um, something that's huge when you're helping, uh, well, when you're working with your spouse is something called a, a PSO or a positive sentiment override where your positives towards your spouse outweigh the negatives. And Dr. Gottman said something to the effect that you've got to have five positives for every one negative. Otherwise all your spouse hears are the negatives. Uh, Acknowledge what's really going on here is another thing to think about. Acknowledge that, uh, you know, you've got, you've got an issue here. You've got a problem that, may not necessarily be solvable. And so look for the things that you can solve and focus on those. Learn to honor and respect one another. Very biblical, right? Uh, Nurture uh, fondness and admiration. Uh, Turn, this husband is being tempted to turn away from his spouse because he doesn't feel like she's hearing him. Well, don't turn away, turn toward. And then as you turn toward, communicate with her in a way that says, you know, when this happens, I feel this way. But if this could happen, I would feel this way. Turn it into a positive. So those are some things that uh, perhaps are helpful. That sounds like good advice. Um he doesn't give advice, remember? Oh yeah, that, that sounds like wise counsel. But I'm not. But I'm not counseling you, so this. That's could be true. Advice. Yeah, that, that's right. So that's that, that's the difference. Well, <laughs> we're just talking, so he can't charge us, right? Well, that's, that's he right. charges for listening, right? So right. as long as we keep him talking, that's right. <laughs> we can send him a bill. Is what this sounds ah, like to me. Okay. And I, yeah, but you don't. Thing you I, don't have my address though. So that's true. No, yeah, the, and. <laughs> And I've taken a lot of notes, you know, with both episodes. And the only thing, you know, I don't know that I think about is, uh, you know, what we read about in Ephesians, about the, you know, what we're taught about the the foundation of the marriage relationship is the Christ, is Christ, the head of the house, the head of the church. 
And, uh, you know, how many times has that been read? Uh, you know, Ephesians, uh, how many, uh, wedding ceremonies has that been read over the years? And, uh, you know, the, for me, I think about the scenario that Daniel had presented that, uh, you know, it's about you know it's easy for us to to read that and to think about that and to stick it out to the end and and you know I, I counseled and I probably shouldn't use the word counsel because you are a professional counselor I am not uh, but I had a couple a young couple um, our preacher was booked uh, a few years ago and he couldn't perform the ceremony so they they called me up and asked me if I would and and I said sure I, I've done several funerals but I've never done a wedding before. So it was a, a growth opportunity for me as well. But to conclude my episode is that uh, I brought them both in, and uh, I just said, you know, I don't know a lot, but I know this. You know, you guys look great, you know, great shape, no great hair or anything like that. But just know that chances are that's going to change one day. You know, are you, you know, you need to be prepared now to not only love each other now, but to love each other then. And uh, that was really came full circle for me. And one of our elders about a month ago visited one of our former elders and his wife. And uh, we sat down and began to, well, we were going to talk, but he ended up doing all the talk and he needed somebody to just talk to. And he began to talk about their day. And it started at four or five in the morning. And uh, it went all day long. It went from everything from, you know, doing laundry to self care, hygiene, food preparation, and all those things. And yet, uh, she never spoke a word to him because uh, she's dealing with dementia, and so that really came full circle for me from the time I performed a wedding to seeing kind of the final phase of a marriage uh, to the point where the the husband told me uh, recently he said, you know, he we haven't talked for a couple of years now, and so I don't know for, for me that's something that I try to not counsel but offer to others. When they're entering into marriage or going through marriage, is that uh, you know we always need to be mindful of, of those. It's a, it is a journey and it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Well, and I think you know something that you can do along the way, leading up to that time in the marriage process, where perhaps one is uh, no longer capable of communicating with their, their spouse leading up to that regular check-ins with one another. Sometimes when I'm doing marital counseling, uh, I will, I will recommend a weekly check-in with your spouse just to check in and see how we're doing in our relationship. Um, and I'll tell the couple, I want you to keep a dry erase marker in your bathroom. And I want you to put a Likert scale on your mirror and we're going to start with zero and we're going to go to 10 and we're just going to write those numbers all the way up. And 10 means the marriage couldn't be better. You know, things, things are going great. Zero couldn't be worse. Things are not going great. And just each week you both circle the number that uh, represents where you are in the relationship. And so let's say she circles a, a three. And as the husband, you walk by and you see that that circled your immediate thought is, Oh no, that this is, this is not looking good. It's a three. Uh, but instead of approaching it that way with her, 
you say, hey, hon, I, I noticed that you circled a three on the board. And I'm wondering um, why a three instead of a, a one? Not a three instead of a seven, but a three mm. instead of a one. That's and the reason twist. you ask, yeah, that's not the direction yeah. I thought you were going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason you ask that question is you want to find out what are you doing right. You know what? What are we doing well together here? And if they say, uh, you know, I really, if she says, I really appreciate how you help me get the get the kids ready for bed at night. That that really means the world to me. You say. Excellent. I can keep doing that. And then you follow up with something like, you know, I'd really like to bump this up from a three to a five, not a 10. Ten's perfection. Perfection doesn't exist. How do we bump this up from a three to a five? What do you need from me? Notice that language. What do you need from me? To And then she responds. Right. So that's a recommendation that that I would make with kind of like homework. Right. So this is your homework assignment for a couple that's, you know, having some marital issues. And I want them to check in with one another periodically in between sessions. That's a good exercise that I like to use. I like that. Um, And we're getting almost out of time here. So. Could you give our, our dear listener maybe uh, just two or three of your favorite uh, resources that you could point them to, whether it be uh, you know, books or, or websites, or uh, where where would you point uh, somebody to go for help, either in, in this episode or the last episode? We're talking about mental health uh, within the family, in the relationship, or just mental health in, in general. Sure. So I think a good resource uh, is one that I was referencing a moment ago on uh, uh, on marriage. It's called Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, and it's by Dr. John Gottman. And you can purchase that book on Amazon. That's a really good uh, it's a really good resource. And I, I even utilize that when I'm doing premarital counseling uh, before uh, before performing a wedding as a minister. Um, if our listeners weren't, uh, tuned into the last episode, uh, I mentioned a good website when you're seeking a therapist, it's called psychologytoday.com. That's a really good uh, place to go. Uh, and you can, you can let, uh, you, you can punch in what you're looking for by way of a therapist. I'm looking for a couples counselor. I'm looking for an individual counselor. I'm looking for someone that takes my insurance and so forth. So that would be a good resource to check into as well. Uh, for this particular listener, I would recommend just going to the Google machine and uh, uh, type in self-care activity. Uh, and you'll be able to find a lot of exercises that you can engage in and just pick, pick some that, uh, are of most interest to you and focus on yourself. You will not change her, but you can change yourself. And, and I'm, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I would like for the listener to spend some time caring for himself. Well, I appreciate that. That sounds like a good counsel. Thank you for making time to be a part of, of soul training for uh, for two weeks here. 
And uh, I hope that, that this has been helpful to especially our dear listener that submitted the question, but uh, helpful to uh, maybe some more of our dear listeners as well. And dear listener, if this has been helpful or interesting to you, uh, we hope that you'll share this podcast uh, with others. Give us a, a five-star uh, review and uh, spread the word so that uh, others could find the uh, find the podcast and, and be blessed by it as well. I want to thank, uh, as always, Alan Jones, the co-host with the most, and Big Show Joe for doing his magic. I want to thank the elders at the South Green Street Church of Christ for making soul training possible. And, dear listener, if you have um, a question, feedback, um, we want to hear it. And we love uh, to get feedback from our listeners, and we uh, respond as, as often as we, as we can. Uh, so, until next time. Keep soul training. Soul training. Uh-huh. Time to practice what you preach. Ooh, yeah. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky, 42142. That's soul training.